welcome to Squawking Dead. This is episode 25, and we're live. For yeah. your listening pleasure on a yeah. Saturday night. Or revulsion. <laughs> well, hopefully not revulsion. Hopefully not revulsion, that's true. Yeah, so we're recapping episode 9, People Like Us, like you and me, Kel. Yep, exactly. I like that title, People Like Us. Yeah, with respect to the show, it's the context is a little different. Yeah, a little different. I don't know if I would say that there was all that much necessarily that happened in this episode. I feel like it was more of a setup, but I actually enjoyed it. I know there was a lot of chatter on the internet of people being sort of kind of like down on it. Oh, really? No, no. Tell me more about that because I have not heard much of that. I did. I mean, I heard some people kind of say like, well, it's a lot of the same trope. We got to find this person, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing, which I get it 100%. Has it been done before? Yes. But I still really enjoyed this episode for a variety of reasons. I didn't mind the fact that it was an episode setting up the next how many episodes of the remainder of the season. I mean, it will go through like, you know, particulars and details and all of that. But I think that people were just dogging it because this is also the first episode after confirmation that Madison is dead. So I think a lot of people are sort of still on the, ugh, I can't believe you killed Madison. Oh, really? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen much of that, actually. I've seen some. And I actually have a couple of co-workers that were sort of like, on the episode also. And and they saw the episode before I did. So I kind of went into it with not the highest of expectations, but I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, actually enjoyed is kind of a loaded term too. It is. If you look at the episode on the whole, it's a lot of pacing. There are obviously some clever things that happen throughout the episode. Yes. And not to say that it's few and far between. I mean, you get the flying walkers, you get the the way certain walkers got killed in this episode, which which I definitely want to go over in time. But not too much is going on. You've you've got tiny little reveals that I right. that if you didn't really think about it, you, you don't really dwell on it as much, and you don't really think about it, and and see that oh wait that's important. We should talk about that. Right. But other than that, it's it's as you kind of alluded to. It's kind of a setup. Yeah. You know, we're setting up the rest of the season, and and I'm glad they kind of buy what is it called bifurcated <laughs> this season mm-hmm. clearly. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know okay if you take uh, season eight of of The Walking Dead, it's not as much of a bifurcation as it is like an arc right you know it, it takes you from beginning to end and it's the same story but this seems like technically it's 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 a two it's a two-act play yeah <laughs> season yeah. four no, it seems to be yeah no absolutely i do i think that's a very good way to describe it yeah yeah and when the acts themselves I, yeah i mean you've got, you got the vultures it's like it's like an opera <laughs> you've got the vultures <laughs> And and you've got the the whole before and after time jumpy arc kind of thing going on in the first act. Yeah. And in this act, it's the aftermath. And then it seems to be it's the aftermath. It's who they who are you after all of the first act is said and done. And again, I, I know we mentioned this on episode twenty four. Is that I I just love the idea that the show recognizes that something happened here. It, re- it refuses to allow these characters to move on. Yeah. When you yeah. really think about it, and I love that because I, I was trying to think back to see season eight, season seven, season six of The Walking Dead and how in certain respects, I mean, I think also in Fear the Walking Dead, mm-hmm. when things happen to them, it's not as if they pick up and move on right away, but you do feel that things don't linger. Feelings don't linger as much. And if they do, the guy that feels them dies in the next episode or two or something. Right. Like Cliff Curtis's character, how he died. It was like, oh, his son died like only a few episodes earlier to that. Yeah. Yeah. Of that. So, 
it's kind of like, oh, we didn't get to dwell on that. We didn't get to feel that as much. But yeah. Yeah. No, that's for sure. Completely agree. By the way, before we get into it, I want to say that I have a piece of Walking Dead Universe news. Oh, yeah. Good. Because I, yeah, I was going to bring up some things too, but go ahead. So Stephen Ogg apparently is joining a series on TNT. And that series, (laughs) why, do you already know what this is? Of course I do. I I have his Instagram, but go ahead. (laughs) I mean, they need to know. (laughs) So he's going to be in the TNT drama Snowpiercer. Uh Now, it is a running joke among myself, my husband, my sister-in-law, and my brother-in-law all about Snowpiercer. You can't bring up Snowpiercer among us because you'll get a collective eye rolling of everyone in the room, with the exception of my husband, who was the one that suggested we watch Snowpiercer. Oh my God, I'm that guy. Were you? Go ahead. So I I didn't watch it, but I'm like, I I remember distinctly, it was my, had to have been my, I think my 26th or 27th birthday. And I was like, let's just go watch a movie. And I made all my friends watch About Schmidt. Oh, God. The Jack Nicholson movie. Yes, yes. And everybody walked out of there going, what in the F did you make me watch? Yeah. and It's your birthday and I love you, but no, why? I will never do that again. About Schmidt at least had some sort of depth to it because I saw About Schmidt. But my friends don't. Oh, well. Not to poop all over my friends, but... I mean, well, certain friends for certain things. Right. You know, yes, exactly. It's what it is. Exactly. But Live and we, learn 26. Yeah, ex- exactly. Especially at that age. But we were vacationing down here in Florida before we moved down here. And we were all just hanging out. And we were trying to find something on Netflix to watch. And my husband was like, oh, this movie had great reviews. Well, I don't know what reviews he found on Snowpiercer. But okay. <laughs> so we were like, sure, put it on. This movie is a serious mindfuck. I don't even know. I can't even I still don't understand the premise of Snowpiercer I oh, don't understand you're gonna have to try because I have no idea I have no it sounds I, like a book right I like have it was no a idea a it's like this futuristic train in like a post-apocalyptic setting going to God knows where man powered by children it's just this wait what bizarre, <laughs> it's the most bizarre piece of shit movie I've ever seen in my life like and we were angry we were angry that he chose this movie to watch and to this day if you bring up Snowpiercer we all just kind of roll our eyes and say you are never allowed to pick the movie that we watch because wow. that thing was horrible and when I saw that they're doing a series I'm like who's watching this who's watching this movie and how did this movie get this cult following that now there's an actual show dedicated to this we're, we're gonna have to get him on to <laughs> at some point because he's not here to defend himself right no now. I love Stephen Ogg and I, I mean Stephen Ogg is amazing but like when I saw Snowpiercer I was like are we talking about the same thing but when I saw his caption being like all aboard I'm like we really are talking about the same damn movie like it's the same we really are I want I'm your like, husband to retweet that and just say no, hey I, Carol I don't, he doesn't know I'm gonna send it to him like I'm gonna text him like I took a screenshot of like Stephen Ogg's post and I was like because I was like this this can't be but it is <laughs> I was like oh my god such a horrible movie oh that's but I mean, oh, I, I still can't tell you what it's about. And not in a good way. There are some movies that if you ask, like if somebody were to ask you, well, what's it about? Like you would have a hard time, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Like one of right. my favorite movies is The Big Lebowski. But if somebody were to ask me, well, what's it about? 
Like, that, that is a really good question. What would you tell them? Like the only thing I could say is a guy comes into this guy's house, pees on his rug and all hell breaks loose. That's it. <laughs> You'd have to give me a couple seconds just because I... Yeah. Like how would... Mm. If I never saw the movie and I came to you and I was like, well, what's The Big Lebowski about? <laughs> Okay, how about this? It's a it's a series of events in the day of a life of an aimless man who gets into something that's that is supposed to be bigger than him, but ends up being just another part of his daily routine. That's a way better description than mine. So I, I, I applaud you seconds. for it. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's like there are certain movies, but I love The Big Lebowski. It's still one of my favorite movies. Yeah. But it's definitely one of those movies that like it's not easy to describe to somebody what it's about. No, no, not at all. You'd really just have to kind of go into the character that uh, Jeff Bridges plays. And then then you start from the person, the, the character, and then just move your way outwards. He has a friend that blah, 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 and does this. Oh, my that favorite character. And that does it roll on Shabbos. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you all about Shabbos, and he's kind of <sighs> right about that. John Goodman's my yeah. favorite character in that movie. Oh, that's really but, good. But yeah, so so Stephen Ogg is going to be in Snowpiercer. <laughs> <laughs> all aboard. Oh, when I saw that, I was like, God damn it. I hate that movie more than like... Children, move the... Let's get this train moving. (laughs) I guess because it's piloted by children. Yes, it is. conducted. Conducted, right? Is that the right word? Engineered? I don't even know. I mean, it was... I have no idea what the purpose of that movie was whatsoever. I still don't to this day, and it's been years since I've seen that movie. And I thought that we that that has that ship had sailed and had been buried. But I think it's the one of those ship had sailed and is sunk. Yeah, I think it's one of those movies that's so awful. It has like a cult following. You know those movies like that they're just so bad. <laughs> like they are. Like there well, are some there's movies. there's like movies that are in, I don't know not intentionally bad, but they're so bad that they have a cult following. Like, yes. like the room. You've seen the room. Oh, Which no. one was that one? You've not seen the room. You would know just. By me saying the room, the Tommy Wiseau film from like early two thousands. Oh, oh boy, this is this movie is so bad that it's like <laughs> it's like hilarious. Oh god, yeah, because it's so earnestly made by the creator and protagonist of the movie. Uh-huh. So the protagonist is the is the director, is the is the writer, uh-huh. is the producer. He put millions of dollars into this film. Yeah, and he he also put it in theaters by himself, and so he believed in this thing. Yeah, and it was a huge bomb. It did not make money but then people like kind of rediscovered it and then it, in like internet culture it kind of breathed a new life mm. so so whatever it is <laughs> whatever this this success story is it's it just the so bad it's good it's like the quintessential it's so bad it's it's so it's it's good it's yeah yeah the, the, and there are those movies it's so bad it's good i mean i can't think of many off the top of my head but but this doesn't sound like one of them it was not good i mean it was just awful <laughs> like it's, I, there's no redeeming quality it wasn't even funny oh no it was not funny it was not funny the joke <laughs> the joke was that eddie made you go <laughs> No, That's thank God joke. it was on Netflix. Oh, thank God, yeah. Yeah, no, if we paid money for this thing, we would have been livid. <laughs> We'd have been like, I think this is grounds for divorce. We would have like lost it. I get custody. Because even, because <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to text the screenshot to, to my sister-in-law, Eddie, and my brother-in-law and show them this. And I'm going to highlight Snowpiercer in that caption. It's a and shame they're, they're not in the live chat right now. Cause... And they're going to shudder. <laughs> <laughs> Shutter. Right, they're gonna use emojis to display their PTSD yeah. for this movie. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure or like use like, gifs, right? Yeah, because they've they forgot probably that this thing ever existed, and it's like, oh no, it's been resurrected. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of resurrected, <laughs> <laughs> on that note. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're resurrecting the dead, the, the the living, and we're also uh, resurrecting this thread. <laughs> yes, yes, we're getting we're getting the train back on that track. No pun intended. All right, so let's start. The, let's start the show from the top. <laughs> I love how oh. amused with ourselves we can be, and we're live. So how and about that? Live. There we go. I'm giving you all the middle finger, as if as if this whole conversation wasn't giving everybody the middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't see me, but there's two of them up. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. So the one thing that I want to kind of just cover and just and just bury, yes, kind of like Snowpiercer, <laughs> is uh, the beginning scene is pretty cool. There's like this uh, one shot pan effect. Yes. Of yes. the sign moving and the and you see the walkers eating the horse and right. my mind when I was doing the second watch and starting to write notes, my mind immediately wandered to <laughs> to the conversation that we had about Rick and the first season of yeah, horse yeah. him not being on it but then some Kari Payton and and uh, Tom Payne are using that sharing that horse basically apparently and then and then I was just kind of like okay who cares and then I, I then, like, oh my god I, they're eating a horse and then I see like them eating the horse I'm like is this a direct F you to, to the walking dead who cares about the horse I know it could be that so in essence that is the first season horse and the, the walkers are eating it I that's, was that's just, all I have to say about that I was just kind of like thinking about the fact that I wonder what the mass is is on like some of these like walkers because I mean you do start to see yeah. some of them kind of get blown away you know by the winds and I, I thought to myself I'm like well if you're in hurricane conditions I mean I guess it depends on the level of the hurricane that it is somewhere in this in the episode Althea says it's 100 mile an hour winds right uh-huh. now I would say that it's probably enough to toss at least a normal human around right yeah yeah like at least tumble around not like blow away right right am I wrong I, I don't know I would think so because I wonder like Wait, we're I'm live. We can do right this. Now. Like, I, no, I'm going to look up and see what category hurricane that is. Oh my god! It only it would only take like 44, 45 miles an hour to start blowing people away. Oh wow! For so a person I, who weighs a hundred pounds, it would take a speed of forty to forty five miles an hour. Wow! So a hundred mile an hour winds. There you go. So if you're like nearing two hundred miles, I I guess there's a there's a like a physics experiment here. Yeah, no. But I'm assuming a walker's at like about a hundred pounds, right? Right, because they're emaciated. Oh my god! So they could blow away, right? Yeah. Yeah, they could based on that. I mean, I'm seeing that a hundred, some a, a hurricane that's a hundred mile an hour winds. It's like a category two yeah. hurricane. That's crazy. Hey, they got the physics right. I, I knew they were talking about that too. They're like, what would it take? What would it take to blow a walker away? So crazy. Very interesting though. Hmm, this is good to know. Yeah. So I'm glad they kind of, they, they just opened with that. Another thing I noticed in the beginning was that they're using the cool little intros. They're still using the intros for this entire season. The little they, montages. They are. They're cool. But at the same time, I got to say i'm a sucker for a consistent like kind of theme music you know what i mean oh i love i love the music did you like the tunes from this um this season the intro the intro with like the the, for the new intros it's fine but i think it's unexpected for a show that's like post-apocalyptic horror you know it's it's has almost like a westerny twang to it you know there's yeah it's which is fine but it's very um very different than the gothic thicky kind of right Sarah McCreary intro as The Walking Dead but it's definitely different that well I see that's the thing you remember the first three seasons they were still using that right right and they're from LA so I guess that kind of makes more sense right 
but I then as they moved on, points. yeah, they were in that region, and now we've moved over to Texas. So maybe. Oh my God! Like, can you imagine if they used some sort of Mexican music? Oh, they were, oh how many seasons were they in Mexico? Like two? Uh, no, like one and a half, maybe. Well, one and a half, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I can't even imagine. No, I think people would would have an issue with that. The, the optics on this aren't really great. They, we, they, just, we just spoke to Cardi B. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh! Her comment was, "Yeah, this stupid." <laughs> Side note, Eddie can't stand her. He's like, I can't stand listening to her talk. I'm like, well, sorry. <laughs> but that is she, that is her authentic self. <laughs> God make me with a mouth. Yeah. yeah. To talk. Yeah, that's, that's about right. I feel like that's something she would say. It is. It God sounds make something, me with a mouth to talk. That sounds like almost something word for word she would say. <laughs> Dude, I don't know <sighs> anything about her, but from the few snippets of her, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Yeah. I and mean, she does those little sound effects every now and again. Yeah. She's, <laughs> Yeah, she's very, um, what's the word? Oh, I can't wait for this. <laughs> what is she, Carol? No, she's, um, no, I was going to say she's very descriptive, descriptive, but she's, um, no, she's, she's very vocal, but she, she does a lot of sound effects, you know, for whatever reason. Well, I mean, if she lacks in vocabulary, she'll make up with sound effects. Right. Okay. Precisely. Gotcha. Exactly. You know, instead of saying like, okay, you know, like I got you, she might be like, nope. You know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> she's your twin sister. What? <laughs> I don't oh, know. <laughs> Insane. Okay. Insane. Okay. So uh, we got we got the intros. We got the intro music. Yes. So yeah, and eventually the season's gonna end, and then at some point we're gonna string together all the intros to see if obviously there's a story. It's kind of like a mini sode. Yeah, that's the idea, right? These intro sequences. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing that we we get after that hurricane intro, we get Morgan, and he's kind of packing up. He's preparing for this from this for this journey that we don't know about like he's just kind of preparing a whole bunch of supplies right by the way i love the fact that we show protein bars yes the peanut butter mm-hmm. protein bars. see so we both wrote that down i was like throwback to clear it's great yeah to clear to the joke with michelle and the mm-hmm. whole thing the beloved popcorn socks are there too i just i love those little like nods you know yeah i felt like when i was looking at him pack things up there was like an element of his life laid out before him almost you know yeah between the peanut butter protein bars the popcorn socks i like i like that that shot you know i mean in general i i'd like a lot of shots like that when you have like let's say an assortment of things and you take like that sort of overhead shot and i like that they kind of did something like that because it does kind of seem like that it's like this is his life basically right here right and and it makes sense to us because when he is when he finally says it he says it to maggie she goes, what if I take you there? What if I take you to Alexandria? Remember that whole life that I, I alluded to that you don't believe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could I could bring you to that life. And yeah. we're kind of, and, and it floors all of us. You, you don't see... Did I mean, no. did you even have a feeling that... No. I don't think it entered our mind that Morgan would be anybody... And this is, I think, a key point because in our minds, I think, more, we, I think we both thought Morgan was here to stay. This is where he belongs. Right. Right? Yeah. I never in my mind even considered the possibility... Of him coming even, back. Even the, when they, whenever there's been talk about like oh well maybe the world will collide or whatever like oh right I, yeah 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 i never really thought of the possibility of it, it kind of ended at the point that okay morgan's on fear now and that's it and it yeah. kind of ended there but i never really considered the idea of oh wait will morgan come back and then it kind of blew my mind because you know throughout the episode he talks about like his friend and how he maybe he was right and and all this sort of stuff and i'm just like oh my gosh well how sad would it be if morgan does come back only to come back to a dead Rick, you know what I mean? <laughs> Knowing what we know 
of what's going to happen oh, on right. Walking Dead. I Which, was like, by the way, that was Lenny James was asked, what if Morgan were to come back and Rick was gone? What would that do? I, I didn't get to read or see the video clip regarding this, but he had said it would literally rock the, Morgan's foundation to know oh, that, 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 that Andrew Lincoln, that, <laughs> that Rick was gone. Yeah. I mean, because the thing is, like, he speaks with a lot of confidence, even when, you know, they, they talk about, like, you know, when he talks about going back to Virginia to Alexandria and they're like, oh, well, you know, they might not oh, be there. Right. He's he's very confident, like, no, they'll be there. He has the utmost confidence in Rick, you know, and his crew that, like, they're, they'll be fine. Yeah. So, yeah, I could see how... And we agree, right? Yeah, yeah. But, like, if he if were not to for come, your comic knowledge. <laughs> no, no, well, because at, at this point, the comic knowledge is, like, it's pointless. Started, it's starting to reach an apex. It's well, even, like, re- with The Walking Dead, it's starting yeah. to reach, an, uh, like, a finite... We know things, but then after a little while, we're going to stop knowing things. Yeah, there are certain things that, like, you just... There just isn't any precedence for it in, in, in the comics. So it's sort of like, I don't know, it could go any any direction. But if indeed Morgan were to go back to Alexandria and with the time difference, I don't know. That's the thing too. You know, it, it, but it did. It made me think That's about true. it because I was like, you know, we're we're going into the future and Walking Dead. So what does that mean in terms of Morgan? If Morgan were to ever go back, oh, oh right, know. right, right. Where does he appear? And right. There was one podcast that I listened to, and they made up a good point. They're like, look, Morgan could be on Fear right now, and he can be on on Walking Dead, considering Walking Dead is jumping into the future. You don't right. know in the year in the year's time that that pass if Morgan came back and, and whatever. It goes again. Like, yeah, it's actually good for them in terms of it gives them flexibility yeah. in terms of like how you want to play how you want to play this necessarily. But oh yeah, especially since they haven't filmed the, the back eight of TWD season nine. Mm-hmm. Anything is possible, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh boy, my mind is reeling because I just can't. I, I, I think it's like a, a to me it's like almost a foregone conclusion that he's not going to be a part of it. That, yeah, that Morgan's not going to be part of TWD for like years if not at all and that right. maybe tells us something too by the way mm-hmm. that maybe fear will not ever join uh, th- those two worlds will ever join up I- I'm starting to have serious like not serious doubts but like like this niggling creeping in the back of my skull doubt that like these two worlds worlds are going to link up and if that's true and yet they're going to be filming season five so is it going to be like a full five years in their world before they meet up again mm-hmm. plus is there going to be a crossover is there going to be some allusions to the video game the telltale game because the telltale oh, yeah. game is in the future is in that like i think five years ahead or some odd years ahead so the the show is kind of catching up with the game at least this last installment of the game i think mm-hmm. so because the the character the main character i think in that game the protagonist she grows up throughout each of the iterations of the game mm-hmm. so, so they're they're kind of far in in the video games so there's like a time i don't i wouldn't say there's a timeline issue but there's there's concerns <laughs> <laughs> timeline concerns uh, it, it's it's mind-boggling yeah so it's up to them to decide whether or not they're going to care about those things i mean obviously they're gonna they're gonna want to care about fear and the walking dead i don't know about telltale but i don't know but it's the it is the last season of the game so knowing that there's not going to be any more of the game mm-hmm. could give them a you know it's kind of like well we don't we shouldn't we won't have to worry about the future of the game because that's it's over but now mm-hmm. we can fit it in somewhere i don't know, I don't know mm-hmm. it's just just a thought i've never played the game but I, it would be cool no, to, if they cast it. live action versions 
version of that that character. Hmm. And I was always wondering about, and I know I'm I'm moving in and out of different topics and tangents, but there was this one character that they had in the, on Telltale. No, no, on Fear the Walking Dead, they had that one mm-hmm. character. She was the one that was in the plane crash. Okay. You know how they have those little minisodes in the commercials? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, during season one, I think it was, or two, I think it was season one. They it, they had uh, scenes from an airplane of like one of the passengers being the first one getting sick and and turning, mm-hmm. and the plane ends up crashing, and it crashes with this one girl. Uh, I think she's Asian, and this other guy who's badly like sunburned and, and injured and stuff like that, and they're on a life raft, and eventually the Minisode character meets up with them on the boat. So I think it is season two, mm. and they take them on, and the, you know the, they're like, we don't trust this guy, this guy, and they leave him on the boat, and he's the exposure, and he's a blanket on him, but eventually they cut her loose with the with the dinghy, and they don't let her on the boat. This is how mistrustful they are of people because they encountered some people and Henry killed somebody and it's the whole thing. But like, I wonder about these. She's she's kind of like almost like a Heath character. I mean, not as close to, to the gang. I mean, she kind of has a bone to pick with them. But mm-hmm. I wonder what happens with her because I, I I don't know. I kind of like the character. I kind of like that she could have been on the show. I think she was even on Talking Dead too. By the way, oh okay, yeah. This, this is how like they kind of built her up, and then I guess they didn't use her again. So I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Hmm. There are like tons. Of, there are, there are some loose threads in Fear the Walking Dead, and that's one of that's definitely one of them. So well, yeah, I think that there's definitely. A, a lot of threads too. I mean, even a lot of people say like, well, what happened to this character or this character, you know? Oh yeah, like Taco. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, pretty Makes me wonder if he'll show up again. Yeah, yeah, because we just we talked a big game about Taka, and like, he has not shown. And yeah, I, I don't think he will because it seems like there was a, a like a huge time discre like a year and a half time discrepancy between the time they left Brokejaw, the dam, and then you know finally made it to the diamond and all that stuff. And even then, they were playing with time too, like a couple months between. Oh no, a year. So maybe it was a year and a half, two two years and a half, something like that. Mm-hmm. So Taka's not been in the picture for a long time. Yeah. If he was going to show up, he was going to show up in the beginning. Yeah, you would think, right? Yeah, yeah. The beginning of season four. Right, right, right. Yeah. That coffee with tequila really does a, a number on my thought process. <laughs> oh, did you? You had coffee? I had coffee with, it's kind of like a Bailey's with tequila instead of whiskey. Oh, okay, okay. And now I'm on a dinghy right now because I need water and supply. Oh my God. Are you like alert though? Like, do you feel, because like, I find that tea does that for me. I'm I'm hot right now. I, I have to like, really? I have to literally like reach back to the AC that's in this room and, and turn it on or like oh the my god but that is so I, but i'm hanging in there i do it for you guys I, I do it for the two watchers listening right now see there you go and for me and me three <laughs> well i mean listen of course i do i'm giving the middle finger to our two watchers just for oh you <laughs> i don't do this for i don't do this for the rest of the world i do this for us i did this I is like purging this is like therapy my husband's grateful to you you know because <laughs> I, I get into it sometimes, and he's like, "Okay, that's 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 fine." Or, or do a podcast, Carol, because I can't talk to you right now. It, it's like, okay, I don't know who you are anymore without without squawking dead. And it's funny because my mom also like she like she cracks me up with it because I'll tell her when uh, Walking Dead comes on. It's Fear the Walking Dead. It's like you know sometimes like if I don't catch it on Sunday, I'll catch it the next day. You know, I'll right. watch it on my phone or but you to, know my to DVR. me it's like committing a mortal sin. But what do you have? Go on. <laughs> so just I'm I'm just being transparent here no but when walking dead is on it's like no i I go to my bedroom and i'm like the door gets locked and i (laughs) I need a joke about that but damn okay no i do and and i ask candles are lit right i ask my mom because she takes care of, of the kids i'm like i need two hours just two hours by myself so i can 
watch this and pay attention to what goes on. And my mom always calls it the monster show. She's like, is that your monster show? I'm like, yeah, it's my monster show. Yeah, it's a monster show. So what's your favorite Yankee candle? <laughs> so what is there the are, Walking Dead candle for you, the scented candle? <laughs> is it lavender? Is it? There is no, there is no uh, candle. <laughs> I, I, it's funny. Like I, I just basically make myself comfortable. I have a snack. I have like Lionel some, Richie comes on some tea. Hello. Like I get myself comfortable. I'm like, okay, I can watch this. No, because you have to pay attention. It's not one of those like BS shows that you could just have in the background. That's like my daytime television. Oh, yeah, you know yeah, for sure. The moments that I, I regret the most are, are when, and this is why I don't like. I, I like watching the first watch without taking any notes because it's kind of like I, I'm. I want to be there. I want to be present watching the show and then later on I'll, of course I'll, I'll i'll watch it again to do to be more technical and i'll make notes in my head of oh, oh, that's right. important that's important oh that's interesting but even with fear of the walking dead i mean that that's that's where i'm at with the show at least with this season there's a little bit more meat to this season there's there's some things to watch out for yeah for no sure. for sure so okay so we have the stage set up with morgan leaving maggie being really interested in what morgan has to offer i think like if, if there are communities i it sounds to me that i keep saying maggie right i said Maggie, not Althea. In my notes, I'm I'm typing Maggie, like Maggie Grace. I know. I know. It's so it hard not throw to. You off. I know. So Althea can't resist this, and to me, it seems as though Althea, like out there at least in the Southwest, maybe is a lot rougher. You're talking about land masses that are more sparse. There's a lot less people in terms of population, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it seems like she's not had a really good time meeting groups of individuals. She kind of just meets bits of individuals along the way not really right. whole communities. Right. So I think to Althea, this kind of opportunity is kind of like a once in, or at least like the first of many. And can you imagine her meeting up with Eugene? Oh my God. <laughs> like, holy crap, I filmed you. Uh, <laughs> oh, how'd you get here? <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. Can you, I, that would be amazing. Right. That go. would absolutely be amazing. I would love to see that. Yeah. I, but you know, having that happen means that Morgan does leave John Dory. And, and these are the things that are going through your head because again, going back to the beginning, did you imagine that Morgan would be, first of all, this quickly thinking about going back to Alexandria? No. no. And the reason is because of his best friend, John Tory. Yeah. <laughs> no. And, uh, you know, his friendship there, his his kind of affinity for Alicia and, and, and I think recognizing that something inside him. And we're going to talk about this in this episode is that Alicia is so, showing signs of being a Morgan. And, and we can talk about this now, actually. Mm-hmm. Alicia has lost her mother and yes. has lost her brother. Morgan had lost his wife first, then his child. Mm-hmm. He, lo- he loses people, then he loses himself. Yes. Ali- Alicia's just lost the people. She went on a vengeance quest. She stopped the vengeance because Morgan really stepped in, kind of like Rick Grimes Mm -hmm. stepped in the first time at least. And that didn't quite work out (laughs) until he met Eastman and the whole thing and then came back and it's still kind of not great. But Alicia having that Morgan character really, really understand what it's like to have lost and to be able to stop her the first time. But I think Alicia's still kind of in it and she could be what Morgan was, uh, whom I don't really think is anymore. That's that's yeah. an interesting juxtaposition right there. Yeah, yeah. It's so, a very interesting relationship there. Yeah, what's your take with Alicia right now? I mean, okay, let's go into 
the story with her and the mm-hmm. AG Lumber Company, AGL yes. Lumber Yard. Yes. Because when Morgan meets up with her and talks to her about heading out to Alexandria, you're strong. You can meet a community. You can be a part of a community with strong people. I, you know, I think that's going to be, that would be good for you and, and yeah. the rest. Yeah. And she's like just waving him off, waving off his offers. Like somebody here needs help now. And right, she's seeing right. the notes tacked onto the bodies and explaining it to Morgan and everything. And so to me, it looks like a lot like, look, she's lost. She lost, just lost her mom just yeah. after teaching her to, to bring people in and save people and stuff like that. I think she's just, she just wants a win. You ever, you ever get into that thing where nothing seems to be working for the day mm-hmm. and, and you want to just at least end off the day at your work day, right? With just like, oh, can I just get one win and I can go home and feel okay? That sounds like last week. Sure. <laughs> <Sounds> like <laughs> me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that sounds a lot like what she's going through. It's, it's kind of like, I just need to make, first of all, she needs to make up for, I think there's a part of her that's almost regretful about the vengeance quest. Do you know what I, I mean? Think, yeah. I mean, I think it made her lose her brother, you know? I think that she's trying to figure out her place in this crazy world. And she is trying to figure out a way to kind of determine like, what what's my purpose here? I lost my mother. I lost my brother. Where do I go? Like, what do I do? What does it mean? Yeah. Like, what, like where does she go from here? Side note, I got to tell you, I would be 150% stranded Luciana. 100. Really? Okay. Let's talk about that. Cause dude, Luciana was basically doing what I did all throughout high school. Wow. <laughs> Laying around. The only difference is that I would have headphones plugged into the radio system. Right. Listening to music. That was all I did. I mean, I studied too and obviously did well. But what I'm saying... <laughs> <laughs> Architects, what, what? <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is that like... If you came across in this post-apocalyptic world, a freaking Texas mansion, which is like a mansion times 10 because it's yeah, in Texas. Yeah, yeah. It's like a freaking compound. There's a cellar with alcohol. There's like a plethora of records. You know what? I guess this is, this is where I'm at. <laughs> this is where God led me. <laughs> this is basically where God led me and I'm just going to plant my flag here and that's it yeah yeah i could see what you're saying there's a lot to talk about in that respect because regarding strand it seems to me like they're falling into these ba- their old habits again yes yes strand with the what the boat was called what's this boat called alice i think mm-hmm. it was called alice his his yacht that they were in season two on and that lifestyle and and having these backup contingencies like going to tijuana and and meeting up with this guy and they get to the guy and he's they find out he's dying and and it, strand has had to kind of get beaten down again and again and again. And you're talking about a guy who's been a con man. He's been hustling his whole life to kind of get to, get to where he is. So all his life has been hustling. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was hard enough work to change who he was to be that good guy that burnt his hand in the fire, saving his friends uh, from, from the oily burning walkers and stuff like that. It took a long time for him to get there, to get to that point. And I think losing Madison, his, his, his impetus for being that person and... And, and it's something that Ian Goldberg brought up in Talking Dead. He says, revenge is what binded everyone together. So you have to remember, after after the diamond fell, Madison died. Their sole purpose was to get revenge on the whoever, the, on the vultures, basically, for get putting them in the situation where they lost their friend, their mother, and, and June, by extension, Charlie, for killing Nick. Right. That whole thing. Once that quest was over, I mean, they killed the vultures really quickly, but it wasn't yes. enough for them. No. If you think about it. Because you can't bring, it doesn't bring her back. 
back. No. I mean, it's a hollow victory. No, very hollow. And and so once they decided to put their guns down, they sat by the fire. And you couldn't really tell immediately at, at, on episode eight where things were going to go. And I was all, I was almost kind of like, is this, ha- is this how easy it's going to be? And then we find out in episode nine, it's not going to be easy at all. The outside world is reflecting what's going on inside with this hurricane coming up. It's like the truth is coming out and, and people are dealing with consequences in the mm-hmm. middle of this violent storm. Yeah, yeah. So Strand falling into his old habits is kind of interesting because every time he does this, it, it just, I mean, from the dam, the whole thing with the dam was him trying to control a situation in his old way, his mm-hmm. old con man sort of way in order to secure the future of him, Madison, her children, etc. Because he loves Madison, but he wants to use his, his old world talents to kind of influence the future. Right. And in the end, it really caused a lot of problems. And even though Madison forgave him, he knew that you know he's got a lot to make up for. Yeah. To be a decent person. So so yeah, it's it's they're licking their wounds. I mean, essentially, they they they're rudder. It's like it, Ian Goldberg said this also. They're, they're like rudderless. They have they just no direction. Mm-hmm. And where Alicia could be stepping in and, and giving them that direction, being the Madison, being the strong one, she's dealing with her own thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a mess. And it really does. This this is really like a Morgan episode, though, at the end of the day, I feel. Mm-hmm. As much as a lot of the acting chops goes to Alicia and, and Strand, Morgan is the key to the future of this group, I think, at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. because I mean, it seems, and Alicia has the line, essentially. She's basically saying, yeah, you know, you could stay too yeah you could help fix us too why do you feel like you need to leave why do you feel like you need to you're a part of this group too and you're leaving that's the problem with morgan though it's like i feel like he builds these relationships and then he runs from them i'll make friends and then i go away yeah pretty much (laughs) pretty much oh man yeah yeah alicia's right though right you can't just pull in your old habits everybody's pulling in their old habits where actually ian goldberg says this again and this is very interesting he says regarding morgan's departure Goldberg says it's he's it's not just about looking Rick in the eye and, and all. Mm-hmm. It's, there's something bigger going on be, for Morgan in terms of him leaving it's not about going back to Alexandria and making it up to her looking Rick in the eye and saying you were right about there's something else I think he and if you had to guess what that was mm-hmm. what would you what what thoughts do you have on that subject to us it might not seem that obvious that it may be more than just uh, him going back to see Rick and say you're right do you think that there's something going on with this group that, that may be <laughs> making him want to go away from it I think it general when he starts building attachments he naturally wants to kind of isolate himself and run away i don't know necessarily why he wants to do but it doesn't seem like he wants to run away like he wants to go back like it's not just sort of like i need to be alone from society like when carol was on that kick and she was like i can't be around people like you know that and she just wanted to be alone so it's not necessarily it doesn't seem like he wants to be alone he wants to go back so i don't know if maybe seeing all this kind of makes him wistful of like the bonds and like the relationships like values that relationship more seeing how crestfallen they are over losing nick and losing uh madison maybe it kind of makes him think oh you know like i really care about those people you know maybe i shouldn't take them for granted maybe i don't know Mm. he's visiting each and every group who Mm -hmm. don't live all together by the way i thought that was very interesting too i'm just like why aren't we all hanging out at that compound it becomes very clear near the end of the episode why yeah yeah and charlie Exactly. I'm so glad you're on the ball. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I mean, I get it. Like, listen, I get Charlie it. Charlie killed Nick, and we can't get over it. Period. It's understandably so. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. kind of a kind of a big deal. So I get it, which is a shame because that comp again that compound. <laughs> 
I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I would be like, sorry, kid, but this compound's a pretty good deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think they would let her live with them anyway. No, no, they and wouldn't. Strand, but that's Alicia, and Luciana. If Luciana <laughs> killed my boyfriend. Strand killed my friend. Alicia killed my brother. Yeah. It's just yeah. a no, it's like there's just, you can't do anything about it. No, no. It's a vote of I'm, no confidence. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying it's like I, I if I were Althea, John Dory, and um, June, I would kind of. June. <laughs> Question mark. Sorry. Yeah, question mark. I I would I would be seriously wondering like man we're living in a in a bus because of this kid and these guys are living high off the hog. I mean I don't know. Just saying. That that's a that's an interesting question. Like do you think do you think that June and uh, John Dory are resentful to Charlie in any way? No, I don't think they are at all. I would be, but I'm yeah. I don't see them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying I would be, but like, no, they're not. They're better. So if it was you and me taking care of Charlie, you'd be like, fuck this kid. Yeah, I would be like, really, really? So we're going to yeah. live in this bus because there's a freaking mansion down the road. Amazing. Like must be down the road because Morgan just walked on over there. Yeah. And John Dory walked on over there and knocked on the door. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I okay, I think it's clear to me that they don't want to live too far from each other. I think they want to know where each other is just in case. Right, right. And John Dory, see, stro- I mean, look, even with his injuries, he is a little bit more mobile after like a month or so. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, like it, that is kind of funny. Okay, I didn't think of this until now, but do you remember how June, or rather Laura at the time, sh- washed up near his cabin and she yes. was the one that was injured? Yes. I don't know how I didn't think of like him being the injured one him and she taking care of him i didn't think about that but you're right that is a good point how the tables turned yeah i don't know what it's it's like so obvious and yet like oh there's something to that uh, uh, to him being the injured one she taking care of him and, and and yet she is asking the question of oh did he fall in love with me because i was being the laura i was being scared i didn't want to be attached to anybody because i was running away but or, i like althea's answer very well which is that like you've been tending to him like day in and day out it's like and that is the person that he loves and that is very very that was perfect answer yeah shouldn't that be enough you know yesterday is yesterday today is today and god knows there'll be a tomorrow yeah and and i think that really ground that brings june back to earth too Mm -hmm. with all the things that are going on the apocalypse i mean clearly these people are really 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 capable and they're so super capable that they're that they're thinking about things that are are, that you would normally not think about in the apocalypse right except for maybe alicia none of these people are thinking about the day-to-day survival no strands drinking luciana's this john dory's trying to heal june on the other hand yeah and june is thinking about who am i with this love relationship and yeah they're they're doing the basics and they're not really thinking about the survival but Mm -hmm. it's just it's just this weird thing where like who thinks about love during the apocalypse (laughs) no it's a luxury yeah yeah it is a luxury to be able to even consider something like that in this state yeah i wanted to talk about charlie a little bit though too because there's there's something there she's not talking no and you can easily see why when she was talking she was kind of trying to manipulate the group Mm -hmm. in the beginning half of the season right so there's something about not talking because maybe she's afraid that i don't know maybe she just doesn't want to make them upset and doesn't want to make anybody upset anymore because she did so much harm to the group we don't know how she feels we don't know where her head's at we don't know if she is resentful of them and that she couldn't necessarily be there to protect what's his name from the vultures Ennis. She cared quite a bit for 
for for them. So I don't you you know you don't know if she's mourning her own loss. Who oh, that's knows? true too. I, I didn't think about that. They could be mourning Madison and Nick, but she could be mourning her own loss of them. That's true. We don't too. know. But there is like a telltale sign, I, and I'd always been struggling trying to think of whether Charlie really cared about the group or not. Because in the, at the end of the day, she did two things. One, when Charlie went back to Mel, you weren't really sure if Charlie was just really just kind of giving them the finger. Did she really care about the group, even though they were so good to her? She did give the book back, that whole thing. The little Prince, yeah. Yeah, so, which is very interesting. She turned them down every corner. She shot Nick after Nick killed Ennis. So... It's hard to think about what she really thought back then. It is hard. But then you have this scene where John Dory's trying to take care of business after they, they play Scrabble, and she kind of takes the opportunity to slip out. And she takes the little prince with her, and she brings it to the McMansion <laughs> that Luciana's staying at. Right. And Luciana's alone, and... She and, wants nothing to do with it at first. Right. But it's Well, Strand is out with John Dory trying to find... Uh, they trying to, they're actually trying to find Charlie, actually. Yeah. Right? And Charlie slips into the mansion. She leaves the little prince book with Luciana and Luciana has this interesting reaction well, obviously she comes in at first and yeah like you said she's like what are you doing here what do you want you know I don't like I don't want you here you know like, what are you trying to ruin now you know, right sort of right thing. I think she says like, haven't you done enough right haven't you done enough exactly but inevitably once she sees the book she decides to go after her too right. which frustrated me because they left the door open <laughs> I was like, like as a New Yorker, I'm offended by this. I'm, I'm, I am. I'm like, you can't just close the door after you just shut the door. I'm like, now it's been breached. And now there goes the, the McMansion. <sighs> so there, there, it's that part of you that wants to stay home and just listen to music again. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally you personally, would. I personally would have been a combo of Strand and Luciana. I would have been in the in the cellar and with the records. I thought it was a very well done scene when like you do have this walker that breaches the security and gets in and like yeah, uh, yeah. Strand notices it and it's like coming up behind Luciana and you get this shot and you just see Luciana just kind of in her world like just swaying to the music while Strand is like trying to kill this walker like behind her I thought that was awesome just because she was in a zone <laughs> when Denai when Garcia explains that scene it's just the whole, most hilarious thing because she's like nodding her head with the music and like side to side and all that stuff mm -hmm. but she's explaining there is no music I'm pretending to nod my head side to side pretending to ignore whatever's going on behind them while the crew cast and crew are in front of me filming me head on and they're kind of trying not to laugh because of Strand. It's so like, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's just the acting process is just so funny. It is, it's, it's hilarious. But I just thought it was so funny because she was, yeah, just like swaying like, yeah, to music. But I can see why she would leave the door open and all that stuff too, though. If you think about it, like you look at these rudderless people. They they're having a hard time. They're they're not doing well. And the second you find something to latch onto, which I believe Luciana has found when Charlie leaves the book, I think Charlie leaving the book is kind of like a I would say let's say a cry for help for me. Like oh, this isn't me trying to f your life. Charlie is saying this with the book. This isn't me trying to f your life. This means something. I'm sorry what I did to you. I think that was her message the first time around. When she dropped the little prince book off it's like nothing personal mm -hmm. i appreciate what you did for me but here I, I wanted to personally give you this back to you that sort of thing i think mm. in this case she's doing the same thing but it's kind of like i'm sorry i hurt you i didn't mean to i don't deserve this book and i think this is a cry for help or at least her way of saying here i know you have no purpose but maybe you can read this book yeah and you can see that you're you're the one that's lost and, and you know like, maybe i care about you that sort of thing or in it by the way it could also mean that she read the book and this is her way of thanking her saying i read this book here it is i had it on me the entire time that sort of thing because you have to remember like the, the stadium went down in flames so where did she get the book from right mm-hmm 
Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, so she sure. had it on her all along. Right. What Denai says about that book on Talking Dead, she says, Charlie is trying to save Luciana with the little prince, just like Luciana was trying to save her back there in the stadium. Right, right. So and, and I think that was like a kind of a, like lights on moment when she gets the book and she runs out and she doesn't care. She's I think she just kind of runs out barefoot. I don't know. She? Yeah, she just kind of runs out there trying to find Charlie in this storm. Wow. If I remember right. And I think that's kind of interesting because I think I think we're used to seeing Alicia and Strand kind of be the one to get into action. Whereas Luciana, we're kind of, I think for, it, for her to come online first and wake up and find purpose again, I think that would be kind of cool to see her rally everybody else. Right, right. I always feel kind of nervous about Luciana because her character's always been on the kind of outside sphere of yes. everybody else. Yes. They, they kind of just brought her into that seat, into the season. Like, where did she come from? I thought she was gone. Right. Remember That's when what I was kind of yeah, confused? Everybody was. So to have her have like a little bit more importance, a little bit more prominent role maybe in getting people back together, I think that'd be kind of, be kind of cool. It'll be interesting to see. Okay, so here's a couple points that I kind of want to hit on. While Althea, I was about to say Maggie again. <laughs> Althea and June, they're, they're going out and they're trying to, what were they trying to do? Why did they go out again? They went because basically they saw like walkers washing up oh, right. the river. And so the concern was that there was something going on and that's what Extreme, was causing right. this influx of walkers coming down. So they went to basically scope it out, realizing when they get there that it has nothing to do with that. It's this storm. They see the migratory birds and stuff like that. They're like, hey, yeah, no migratory God, birds. So that is really creepy. Because now I know that birds, when yeah. you see animals start to do that, like, you know, I shit's my, about to go down. I put, my, <laughs> I put my ear to the ground. Mm, storm coming, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, it's no joke. But yeah, something happens along the way. And obviously we got it. We already kind of got into the discussion that she has with Althea about who she is with John. And I think all of them really having this conversation in different formats. Strand, who am I? What is my purpose? Is my purpose to just be blitzed out of my mind drinking every day? Is this, is this the way it's going to be? I think this is what he thought it was going to be when stuff started going down, like him on the boat, right. you know, out there on the water and then not a care in the world. The world can go to hell. And he's falling back to old patterns. But I think everybody's more or less asking the question. Even Luciana asks oh, Strand yeah. the question when they're patching up the fence. She's like, is this how it's going to be? Is this how... Hmm. Is this it? Is this, this is what it's going to be for the I rest mean, of, of our lives? And he's pretty much like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, while I figure out this question, I'm going to get bombed out of my brains. Yep. Yeah. It's much. kind of like a purgatory, isn't it? Kind of. It's like, neither here nor there. Yeah, exactly. Neither here nor there. They're living in this lap of luxury, so it can't be that bad, but they're kind of living under this wallowing sadness kind of thing, like, and, and all in the while having no purpose. It's kind of like they lost their compass, you know? They, yeah. Their center cannot hold, and they, they can't. When you lose your, essentially, your leader, the, the idea person, and you're just kind of following her lead, and, and because, I mean, these people are, were also self-improved while being led towards this kind of interesting future. So when you lose that, what happens? Mm-hmm. When, June, when June and Althea are on the road, they see something. They see this box. And I think this box has more significance than, than what we think. So the box has this thing where it says, take what, take what you need. Yeah, which was very intriguing to me because I'm not sure what this is leading towards. Toys, which is weird. MREs, protein bars, and water. So like, is, is there another benevolent travel? 
traveler out there? In the Walking Dead universe, you have to look at everything with a highly skeptical eye. <laughs> exactly. And that's that's kind of what I'm saying. Like I don't think I don't think this is something we should keep our eye off of. No. And we do know that there are new characters coming about and you know, are these characters benevolent or are they people like us, quote unquote? Right. You know, like right. that Strand says. Yeah. You know, trying to trick people. But like, you know, that's the thing, you know, like could there be other benevolent people? You know, I, I don't know. I mean especially meeting the vultures, that was that was bullshit, right? <laughs> well, I mean that's the thing, and that's where they're coming from. You know, they're kind of feeling like look at what we encountered with the vultures and you know, it doesn't give them much confidence in terms of other groups or or like Alexandria when Morgan was trying to sell that to them, you know? Oh yeah. Oh man. Good luck, Morgan. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. No guns, what? <laughs> I think this is kind of like one of those teasers of like what's to come. I, I do think it has something to do with these new characters. I, I don't know what their angle is just yet. Yeah. I, you do see in the teasers that one of the dudes, the dude in the wheelchair, has a has a shotgun like a Morgan's yes. head. He says, can you lower that? He goes, show a thing. And he just lowers it to his gut. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by, I know there's at least two main characters and another third character that are coming in. But so, yeah, I, I think it's important to keep an eye on. Also, when they, by the way, when Alicia and Morgan get to the lumber yard and they, they find out the guy is gone, she freaks out and she's kind of feeling failure. But before that, I, I love that scene where they Morgan and her devises plan to drop all the lumber on the um, crane on all yes, those walkers. That, that was, was awesome. a nice little clever way. It was like, dispatch them. It was like something out of a cartoon. Like after, like Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. How do we get all these Goombas flattened? <laughs> yeah, it's like, let's just like lead them here and then bloop, just flatten them. <laughs> and you know, that's Morgan's plan, by the way. He's like, I got a plan. I learned this from Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> yeah, he, and he did it. I mean, yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty awesome. Boop, 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 boop. It was impressive. <laughs> I was like, yeah, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I like clever Walker kills, you know, it's just well, something to look forward to. Stylistic Walker kills are definitely, that's the whole reason on Talking the Dead, they have their like in memorial area just to kind of cover all the cool walker kills and human kills Mm -mm. kills also yes i think we're gonna see more walkers in the wind next week i think oh yeah sounds like right i think so yeah i think for sure yeah so that's something to look forward to Uh, and then also like as we discussed last week was you know we're gonna add there's there's fun to have during the storm but there's also gonna be fun after the storm so there's gonna be a flood i mean the part of the teasers next week they talk about you know alicia does run into charlie in this place he's trying to hide, you know take shelter in his house mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i feel like it's one of those almost i'm not gonna say twilight zone episodes but it's kind of like a uh, hitchcock presents episode where mm-hmm. she's going mad just after this episode with the guy she couldn't save and it's kind of like you know what are you doing here are you here to get me are you right. here to kill me he's like the talking tina doll except charlie is neither a doll nor does she talk yes so yeah so i don't know is it coincidental that they end up in the same house is she is she imagining charlie in the house that's really weird yeah yeah, yeah. I hear you. No. So I can't, I honestly, I cannot wait for that because I was a huge Twilight Zone watcher. I loved Hitchcock Presents. Mm-hmm. I love like, I'm a Twilight Zone like fan, these yeah. mini episode uh, sci-fi kind of shows, these mm-hmm. fantasy horror suspense kind of thriller episodes. Yeah. But like psychological terror kind of thing. Yeah, no, 100%. And I like that they've kind of figured out a way to do that on this on this show. Like, they think of everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there's thought. Yeah. 
Yeah. Talking about Alicia just for a second, though, and I do want to go back to Charlie for a second, but, but Alicia, there's something about her also falling into bad, bad habits. Like, after she realized she failed with this guy trying to save him, like, he ran out of food or something, you know, come quickly, you know, and then he couldn't manage to tack that note on. Right. And uh, it's something about her falling into bad habits, too, because after she finished with Broke Jar Ranch, I think it was, she wanted to be on her own. She's like, screw you, screw Nick. If Nick can go off on his own, I can go off on my own. Madison kind of gives her her weird blessing. She's like, I have to learn to stop being me, Madison, she says. It's kind of like, mm. I have to stop trying to protect my children and sort of like, you know, I have to let you do what you want with your own thing and stuff. And But yeah, she went off on her own then. She's going off on her own now against Morgan's kind of best advice, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. like in, in the middle of this violent storm. So she's kind of falling back to old habits. Like, I don't need anybody. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I think it's it's kind of like, you know, what's the point if I can't help save this guy? She's like, I, I can't. How am I supposed to save Strand and Luciana? Like, how am I supposed right. to pull them all together? Right. So I, I don't know. It's it's And then Morgan is threatening to leave and it's kind of like maybe Alicia is right about Morgan like what do you what do, why are you running away from us what do, what is it that you're afraid of right and, and that's that's it's kind of going back to the question I asked which is you know is is him going back to Alexandria really about confronting Rick and saying hey I'm sorry you're right you know you were absolutely right and I you know I didn't need you and I didn't and I didn't need to be a part of the world you could hide but you can't run or wait or I think that's what he said yeah I think that's what he said Oh, yeah, it's it's complicated. Yeah, I, I am interested to see because I think Morgan is going to be the key again to to bringing these guys back, and taking them to the next level. But if you saw the mid season teaser before the first before this episode aired, you do see that scene where he oh, and I I forgot to bring up something that I saw in the teaser of last time, but yeah, mm-hmm. you, do, you do see a scene of him saying with him having the words on his forehead, "I lose people, I lose myself." Yes. So that's that's interesting. So it seems as though so first of all it feels like he stays maybe or maybe he does start to make his way back to Alexandria I don't know and then maybe he starts to feel crazy a little bit you know he can he has a tendency to start going a little little crazy but it's always something that happens though yeah something that triggers it yeah so I wonder what who they lose maybe I don't know I hope not John Dory oh wow that would be interesting that would trigger it for him you know how we, we can find out is we, we, <laughs> I mean let's let's put it this way Instagram yeah who's who's currently doing a lot of work right now i mean they're done filming though anyway so it's, yeah. it really doesn't mean much right I was, I was gonna say garrett dillahunt seems to be um planet hopping right now <laughs> You yeah know? he's kind of going around the world right now yeah uh, filling his life up with work and they know that season five is is going to film at some point so yeah exactly it's just a matter of when they start shooting and whether garrett garrett dillahunt is still hopping around the world and then we'll have the answer right wow uh, i would hope not that would that would break my heart do you think june and john dory do you think the idea that john had about going back to the cabin was that a good one do you think because throughout this episode we're talking about old habits right mm-hmm and June was saying about I, I don't think that's who I, I am am anymore and will he be in love with the person I am now but I think you can accuse John of doing the same thing now maybe the cabin was who you were what you needed to get away from society right because of the thing that he did with mm-hmm. the robber mm-hmm. is that John Dory anymore probably not but it's all that he knew you know so I mean he automatically kind of defaults to that cabin it's my personal opinion I feel like he just kind of defaults because it's all he knows do you think it's a good plan obviously like that cabin was not immune to attacks clearly <laughs> right. so from all the trash washing up right i don't know if it's the 
safest place to be. But at the same time, where is there? Where is it safe? I don't know. Mm, I wonder. I wonder if it's, if it's a good plan. I think they really should just stick together and stay near each other. Yeah, definitely. Like with all the issues that they have with each other, they're all, they're kind of all they have, really. I mean, as much as they don't want to let Charlie be in the same Ma- McMansion, like right. okay, at least be nearby. Right. And maybe that maybe that was her mistake. I mean, maybe Mel was right about big communities and stuff like that. And also that kind of does spill over to The Walking Dead, by the way. Maybe having these big communities is is a bad idea. Maybe yeah. it's not about that. Maybe it should be just these little patches of little tinier communities. Because Daryl says that, by the way. Yeah, Daryl does. Do you does. remember? Yeah, he does. He says that... You know, this doesn't feel right. Like this big kind of like multiple groups kind of. He preferred it when it was just, it was just a small group of them on the road. Yeah, exactly. So that's it. That's interesting too, huh? Yeah. No, Maybe they're is. right. Maybe Mel is right. Maybe th- this is what happens to big communities. Maybe you got to spread out a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. That's that's interesting. Maybe something that's a commentary on The Walking Dead too. Yeah. Right? Something to consider. It's a, it's a good setup episode. Let's put it that I way. I think so. Yeah. And then from there, they can just jump up and do like crazy things, like which obviously mm-hmm. is going to be happening with Alicia and Charlie next week. Little, yeah, little yeah. Hitchcock Presents episode in my Yeah, mind. definitely. I wanted to talk about briefly about Chris Hardwick's tearful return. What, what's, yeah. well, I want to get your impressions on that. I thought it was very heartfelt. I thought it was very heartfelt. Did you, did you feel something? Did, did, did you start I, tearing it, up too? Well, I, 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 I don't know if I teared up, but I did think it was very heartfelt because I think it was very well said. The way he, he delivered his, and I think I saved it actually. I want to say I'm so appreciative to be standing here right now. And I want to thank you, the Walking Dead community, for all of your support these last couple of months. I've said the following words a million times, countless times, and yet I've never been more thankful than I am at this very moment to say to you that I'm Chris Hardwick and this is Talking Dead. And I think that's- That's a pretty good intro. I was like, wow, you know, that that is, you know, very compelling because you kind of take things for granted. And I think that this experience, whatever happened with this ex-girlfriend, you know, obviously wasn't substantiated enough to the point that they could really do anything about it. You know, there just wasn't, there just wasn't enough there based on their investigation. Based on the investigation. From what I'd heard about what was it, Lombard and Lombard that conducted the investigation is that I don't have definitive proof that this happened because I hadn't I hadn't read definitive proof but it seems as though when they confronted Chloe Dykstra about this that she refused to cooperate with them mm-hmm. which and again see I rarely give my personal opinions on something when it's even me personally talking to somebody so I don't have any commentary on that and I won't but what I will say is what it feels to me is that maybe as a result of the investigation maybe the uh, result of AMC's decision let's say as a result of the investigation is is that we got an eyeful of a relationship that was not good. Right. And in the court of public opinion, the verdict can go any which way. And right. I can see that, the, and there are clearly people who left the Talking Dead um, crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, from, I read about that. From a producer, I think at least a producer and a handful of crew members. Like really not that much actually. No, no, no. But a lot of those papers that kind of like to blow things up say, oh, a, ha- a, a large handful. It was like really like, it was I think like mm. six plus a producer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... In a crew of, like, hundreds, maybe, or hundred right, or so. I mean, 
like, come on. It's like a small percentage. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, but regardless, it's kind of like, I can easily see people still being kind of upset with Chris. I'm not one of those people. I'm not. I'm not. I, I judge on evidence. I Obviously, I read everything and I and it wasn't good and it just felt like heartbreaking. And, and at the end of the day, Chris chose not to say anything. And he seems like somebody who is very conscious about, at least now, let's say now, he's very conscious about the way people live their lives. Don't text. Remember that every every time he ends the, the show, except maybe this time, I don't, I don't remember if he did that, but it, like don't text and drive. He really, he's really conscious about the way people live their lives. They, he wants right. people to be safe. He wants people to be happy. Maybe that wasn't always the case. You know, and if you remember, Chris Hardwick was the, was, was it the fat guy and the, the little overweight chubby guy in, uh, what was that show that was on MTV? Yeah. Oh, what? You Singled Out is a dating Singled Out. Game. That's what it was. Yes. It's a dating game show that ran on MTV from 1995 to 1998. The original hosts were Chris Hardwick and Jenny McCarthy. Go figure, huh? Jeez. <laughs> look at the, look at the way their careers ended up. I mean, that's, and that's really weird, isn't it? If you want to compare, one became like an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> And the other. We're not even going to go there. <laughs> we, we can't. It, no. It's not in our sphere. It's okay? not in our sphere. And it, it, look what he became. I mean, he became like a nerd comic. This really high profile. He he founded Nerdist, which is yeah. all about nerd fandom and stuff like that. And then he became, found a niche. Yeah, and he became the host of Talking Dead. Yeah, you know, and it, it's kind of like strides. And look, obviously he's 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 evolved. He's look, he looks a lot healthier. If you look at pictures from Singled Out, I he, know. He's yep. You see it too, right? I'm. I always regard right him as that. Wow. So, and, and again, it's not like to knock people that are overweight, but it's just kind of like like he was a very self-deprecating person. In any one of his appearances, he was very self-deprecating. And it, it was funny, but it was also kind of like, okay, I get it. Okay. Uh, and then to see that he's like that in real life and not the most flattering way, it, it just seems to amount to prosecuting him for being just a not, it just having, for those two not having a great relationship. But she obviously isn't immune from that, by the way. Right. And I mean, it's one of those things that I've always said I, I've there is they both had issues <laughs> there is a fine line between being an asshole and being a sexual predator or a rapist yeah, yeah. like and we have to kind of discern between those descriptions and it's very very critical that you do because you don't want to torpedo someone's life and career and friendships and relationships in general over pinning some sort of moniker on them that may not be really reflective of what the case may be so, or, or them as a person on the whole, too, by the way. Right, right, exactly. So at the end of the day, I was one of those people that was really, really hopeful that it was going to work out in, in, the, in the way that it did. I, I was already anticipating it wasn't. Yeah, me too. Thinking, okay, if Nicole Brown is going to be the new host and that's what it's going to be. So I was actually kind of surprised when it came out like, nope, everything was cleared. He's back. Clear. It, clear. <laughs> Morgan cleared it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but but I'm I'm glad it did, and and I thought that it was very heartfelt. I thought that he's very very appreciative of being back. I think he's very very appreciative of the support he's gotten because he did get a lot of support. There were a lot of people that were in his camp in terms of just regular fans. So it, it seems clear just from the intro. And and by the way, I even noted when he was going to commercial, I could easily see him taking those words for granted. By the way, mm-hmm. we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. Those words, we'll be right yeah. back. You could see him pause like. Or just appreciate in his eyes. He's appreciating those very words. He's a pre- He's very appreciative. Okay. Very. For, you can see that. We'll, can we'll be right back, including me. <laughs> so, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
No, he's he's very appreciative of being being back in his role again. I, I it, it's abundantly clear. Yeah, it's very very clear, and I think it's very sincere. I'm glad we spent a little bit more time on that because I feel like we needed to give that a little bit more clarity. Because I, I wrote in my notes, it said Chris Hardwick's tearful return. I was like, you know, let's let's spend a little time on that because I de- definitely did feel the weight of, of probably what was going on throughout the entire ordeal. Yeah, what he must have been going through. Because I feel like I, I've I mean I've kind of been there, not exactly there. In in different iterations, I, I've had messy, in what sense I've had messy. I would even even classify abusive relationships, hmm. uh, mainly one. But it, it's this whole mess of things where you've divulged certain things about that relationship to best friends and friends, and then those friends end up, you know, after this messy ass breakup, they end up mm-hmm. still hanging out with them. And mm. there's a, there's like this, and, and that's like the least of that. And and when you feel like you don't have anybody to turn to, mm-hmm. you know, when mm-hmm. when things like that happen, it's like oh my god my best friends are still hanging out with this person I'm here alone I'm, I'm, mm. I'm staying at home alone when they're like going to parties and you see pictures from those parties wow, on Facebook yeah. or something like it's kind yeah, of like yeah. this real they magnify that by a thousand that's Chris's and, and they're they're posting that stuff online they're, they're, right. they're in her corner and, and all that stuff oh, yeah, and they're kind yeah. of like you know, I, I know I wasn't an angel during this relationship, but like this could really seriously mess up the things that I worked really, really hard right. to build. I'm being yeah. prosecuted for my personal relationship with this person right. who wasn't perfect herself. Right, exactly. As much as she, I think she did reveal her position many times. She mm-hmm. explained where she was coming from. She had issues. She had, uh, I mean, I'm not about to go, I'm going to go into all of it, but mm-hmm. it's clear that she had issues of her own that she was tackling with. And so his issues and, and their, and it just seemed like two people that had their own types of personal issues being right. together and it wasn't just a healthy it just wasn't healthy relationship for, for either of them they just needed yeah. to be not with each other and right and then that that thing that was already bad that they went they both went through together and they find a, they finally broke off that was hard enough but to have that spill over into what you the tried to accomplish realm. on your own yeah, yeah. that's yeah that's the that's thing I mean, we as people go through these things but it's not put on the public realm and magnified you know for a spotlight for everyone to judge and meanwhile they had to go through this very very, very public ordeal. Right. The, the thing that they already went through, they have to relive again. Right. And not only that, based on the public opinion, basically, the judges of public opinion, mm-hmm. that is the measure of which, at which you get to keep your career. That's crazy yeah. to me. It is. It is. Judges, but it's... not lest you be judged, right? Ooh. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's tough to talk about because obviously you and me, we, we both care about we don't want people to be harassed we don't want people to be psychologically tortured and and whatnot and you more than i know the day-to-day of women you know what they have to go through and it's hard enough yeah but it's worse when the issue kind of gets sidetracked a little bit too right right when when when, it's kind of like what you were talking about the other week okay you were talking about how there are just some things that i can't you know having kids spin my wheels on you know right this this kind of doesn't this isn't really contributing to the overall all cause this is really taking away no, from it, right? No, exactly. In some ways, I mean, it's a good conversation to have, but when but it's not a cautionary enough. tale, I mean, yeah. you can use it as a cautionary tale of saying, like, this is an example of what is not part of this cause. This is a bad relationship, is what it was, and that sucks. But it's one of those things that I've always kind of had a real issue sometimes with the because you like you kind of adore celebrities too, right? You follow them and, and you get involved, yeah. sort of, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I follow like, I mean, certain ones. Um, right, right, right. But my issue is more like I've met women who, to me, are the worst examples of uh, oh people who who like to call themselves a feminist. Um, I see what you're saying. Because they they lump all men as one and the same as just evil, and they're just this and whatever. And I think it's very ignorant and one dimensional for whatever. Because it's like I don't want men thinking, oh, all women are that. There there are many categories that are like, well, most women do this. It's like, but I may not necessarily fall in those categories, and that's that's fine. There's exceptions to everything, so I don't think that you can do that. And that's why in this case of the Me Too movement and sexual harassment and all of that, we have to really kind of look at the situations and and understand the differences. It's not all one and the same. Like I can look at Chris Hardwick's situation and say, okay, this is this is very likely could have been just two damaged souls and troubled people in a relationship that just was completely toxic, you know? Right. And that's horrible, but that doesn't constitute a breaking of the law. And this is that does not merit for this man to lose his livelihood and his career that he's built because yeah. he was a, a shitty boyfriend. It doesn't make any sense. Now, if there was an instance of, of, of rape or things like that, absolutely. You're, then you're in another realm, which is a different story. Well, yeah, even in this conversation, even in this realm, there are some people who will equate what... The worst part about all this is that Chris chose not to to tell his side of the story. Mm-hmm. Honestly, there, there, I have feelings about it. I, I would say that on a purely emotionless level, that is a smart move to take because to be right. honest, and I think I think there's two two sides of that. One is that I, I think there is a part of him that regrets some of the things that he did in that relationship. Right. And so he feels like, you know what? Nothing I say is going to, is going to change the wrong that I, that I was making, the wrong choices I was making during that relationship. Right, yeah. But number two is that my, my impression of Chris Hardwick is, is that he is a feminist mm-hmm. yeah in in yeah. i don't know maybe let's say the classical sense of the word right? right there that he does believe that there's harassment is there that there's there is some there is some sort of bias there, there's a generalized bias when it comes to women let's say in the workplace when they're women in the street women in conversation that there is something like that and then we need to fo- you know focus on maybe if we see things like that or keep our eyes open to kind of adjust our dials and maybe behavior in some ways to kind of you know, reverse that or, or or level the playing field things like that you know what I mean right, so right. I do I do sense that he is that so I think part of doing that is to allow you know and maybe part of the me too movement was to you know let's listen first let's try to understand and then and maybe con- converse about it and see if, how we can do better and so I think he, the, he, the tack that he was taking on that side of the coin is that you know what let's just let her say what she needs to say and right. but then when the hammer started dropping it's kind of like do I let this still continue I was like you know what yeah I'm going to stick to that principle don't engage don't engage because I honestly it doesn't help it's not know? going to I yeah. will accept my fate as a result of this and it's kind of like okay oh, he's falling on his sword that's interesting mm-hmm. yeah from everything that I read I saw no I saw no desire on his part to challenge it I mm-hmm. think he was kind of you know what let's at least do some sort of investigation you know, I'm I'm open to that. I will talk to whoever I need to talk to. A- AMC gave him a chance. And to be honest, we both were on the same page. We mm-hmm. both thought, okay, this isn't going to go well, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this usually doesn't go well when, when there's an investigation of some kind. It's kind of like, well, yeah, goodbye. 
<laughs> so, yeah. but to see that it didn't, and he was fully cooperative and all that stuff. I, I thought that was pretty, that's pretty interesting that yeah. he resigned himself. So I think it was a good approach. I think it was the right way to handle it. I yeah. think he handled it appropriately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think so. Like professionally, he handled that, I think, very well. And even as like a, from the feminist perspective, let's say, I, th- I think he handled that in that respect too. I think he held to his new principles. I guess if you yeah. want to compare it to the episode that we watched, <laughs> I, I think he's refusing to fall back on his old ways. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of any kind of uh, poignant in, in, in some respects. Like he's, he's embracing the Madison way of charity and, and letting people in and saving people. And he's, he's kind of just letting things come what may. And, mm-hmm. and in this instance, it was the right choice to make. And, and he was fully cooperative and he had what to lose, but he's kind of like, you know, if I lose it, I lose it in the name of, of doing the right thing. At least, you know, I right, applied, right. you know, I, I had faith in the system and, and, you know, I fully expecting to lose that position, the thing that he worked for and, and perfected. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if that's how it's going to be, that's how it's going to be. So to, to, to be vindicated like that, though, man. Wow. No, I was very I was very happy for him. I was yeah. sincerely very happy for him. But this isn't the hashtag Me Too channel. This is Squawking Dead. I know. <laughs> but we cover so many topics. I mean, because it's, listen, Walking Dead isn't just a bunch of zombies. I mean, it's a lot going on here. It's reflective of today's world. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, from our first episode, our first few episodes where we started tearing apart season eight of The Walking Dead, <laughs> we were already comparing it to politics, to, to what we need to do as people to get together, to, yeah. to let it go, to have conversations, to not stick to our tribe, yes. you know, and to really start, I mean, we can disagree with each other, but at the end of the day, we have to live with each other. Yep. And, and and we've been taking these lessons, harsh as they are sometimes, that we have to kind of bring to our own lives. Yeah. If that's not a good note to leave off, on i don't know what is i don't know what is i think that's very fitting so how about with that everybody i think we're gonna call this an episode i think so too i think i'm ready for the next episode see what comes from uh alicia and charlie's confrontation yeah i i don't know what to expect to be honest don't know either but i'm looking forward to it yeah same here i, I think there's this there's only action from here on in and some maybe some comedy thank you mo collins <laughs> yeah i know it's the moment of levity right yeah yeah, yeah, I can't wait for that to, that moment to happen. Maybe this episode, maybe the next one. I don't know, but I, I I'm I'm on the edge of my seat because I don't know what's going to happen next. I know it's like I don't know how this is all fitting in, but I'll be very curious to see. Yeah, same. And uh, I think with that, everybody, we'll catch you next week. Awesome. See you all next time. Thank you for joining us. 